Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you once again on this Tuesday, July the 21st of 2020. And uh, yesterday, we began our week uh, continuing to study on our series on one day in the life of Jesus after he rose from the dead. And it was has been truly uh Magnificent, magnificent! what we have been learning. It's been truly awesome, the things that have been coming out. And, and one of the things that, uh, that stood out for me yesterday uh, was that, you know, the blood of Jesus, it wasn't just for our sins, but it literally, it just cleansed not just our sins, but literally the heavens, the cosmos, the world itself. And that's powerful when you begin to see it that way, when you begin to understand that, the blood of Jesus literally cleansed all of the cosmos. And those are the things that we are learning. Those are the things that we are seeing, what Jesus did, what happened when Jesus went three days after he, he died, what happened before he appeared to to Mary. And going verse by verse and searching throughout the Bible, we get a picture of truly what Jesus did in those three days. So I pray that if you have not, if this is your first time tuning in with us, that you would look back and, and go back and listen to the last few podcasts we have done on this series, and it will bless you. And today, we're going to continue in this series. And as always, it is a pleasure to be here with the panel, with Brother Marty, Brother Fernando, as always, an honor to be able to study the Word of God together. So Brother Marty, I'll leave it with you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Amen. We're continuing with our study. This is podcast number five. We've done over five hours. By the time we get done today, Lord willing, we've done over five hours still exploring the very first day, the the third day when the Lord rose from the dead, the first day, the resurrection day. And uh, as we've explored, we've begun to see some incredible things in the word of God as to really what transpired on that day. And over the last several podcasts, revisiting these things and recording these things as the Lord is leading us, we pray, I really began to think about, um, even more so, just how extraordinary the very first resurrection day was, not only in its in its uh, human element, in how each and every distinct individual, and we have yet to get into them all yet, there's still two guys that are walking on the road to Emmaus, there's an entire company of of men and women, including the disciples uh, in the room that Jesus will appear uh, in the evening when the day is over to them and and speak peace be unto you and do several things that we're going to explore later. But but also just thinking about the depth of all that occurred on this day is is incredibly profound because because it encompassed not only uh, the earth, you know, the planet Earth on the surface. But as we've been seeing, uh, it it literally uh, encompassed the very heart of the Earth, the interior of the planet. The planet itself is how far the Lord went into uh, in, into the depths of the Earth, only to, to rise and come to the surface and then ultimately to rise through the universe itself and then into heaven itself. It's all occurring on on the very first hours after the resurrection of the Lord. All these things transpired after he 
He said it is finished and he gave his hand, his spirit into the hands of the Father. That's what we've been looking at and really exploring what happened. And it's it's vital that we understand these things as we continue to go forward. It's 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 necessary that we understand because this is the gospel. This is the good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ is so much more than than going to hear some slick presentation. Uh, you know, being moved incredibly emotionally if the speaker's halfway decent, <laughs> and then uh, right. being invited, right? Being invited to come forward to to some platform, and you know, you say a few words, and in Jesus' name, you're saved, and then you go on your way. And the truth of the matter is, you've actually, quite possibly, and only God knows, but I mean, you don't, you haven't really even heard the gospel the true gospel of Jesus Christ and, and all that he accomplished. And how could we as individuals even exhaust such a subject? But there's so much more that we can explore and learn and understand the depth of what it is that, that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have accomplished and what is yet ahead of us. And so that's what we've been looking at. And yesterday we left off uh, talking about Jesus uh, ascending into heaven. And I want to I want to continue there because there's so much that we just touched on and, and, and we'll take a few moments today and, and dig a little deeper and hopefully we'll we'll finish today's uh, podcast walking on a road with two guys on their way to Emmaus and Jesus comes and joins them along the way on the very yeah. same day. So, Brother Jeremy, could you begin our study today? And those of you who have your Bibles, we encourage you to, to sit down and take some time with us. We thank you for joining us. We're praying for you always, those of you that are listening out there. Of course, we don't know all your names, but we know that uh, we've been hearing reports from all over the country, really, at different times over the last several months. People have written, texted, friends telling friends. It's really exciting what the Lord is doing. So we're really honored that you would join us. And uh, and we encourage you once again to, to continue to explore with us and, and have your Bibles there. As we begin, Brother Jeremy, could you start once again in John chapter 20, uh, verse 17? Yes. Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren, and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Amen. And we want to focus uh, today on that on that phrase that he used uh, when Mary Magdalene uh, realized it was the Lord. And he told her some interesting things there, as we've discussed briefly. He told her not to touch him yet because he had not yet ascended. And that is where we jumped off a couple of podcasts ago, because because that's an extraordinary statement, because many people assume that after Jesus died, um, that he was in heaven or or whatever they might think. Others teach other subjects, which, um, you know, which we've already discussed. But what set us off on that course was those words, I haven't gone to heaven yet. That's basically what he told her. And so we were asking the question, well, what, <laughs> what were you doing the last three days and three nights? Where were you? Right. And that's what, and that's what we began to discuss. But then, so he tells her, do not touch me because I haven't ascended. And then he says, but go tell my brothers I'm, a, I'm, I'm ascending. I'm about to ascend. And so we want to explore that a little further for the benefit of, of 
of us, the Gentile world, those who have come to know Christ as their Savior, many of the terms that are used and, and many of the expressions that are made, they really relate to 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 the to the Jewish mind. They understand what's being spoken here. And and particularly the way the Lord is speaking um is 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 in relation to the Lord as as the resurrected Lord, the the possessor of all power and authority. But there was there was things that he had yet to do that could only be done after he rose from the dead. There was yet business left to happen. And so when he uses the word um I ascend in verse 17, I'm going up. And that's on resurrection morning again, remember, because he's going to come back on the same day, which is extraordinary in itself if we <laughs> if we really, you know, dig into it and think about these things, which are, are subject matters and things that I find incredibly fascinating. Because the Bible says things in simple ways that, that have profound implications on our understanding of, of creation itself. And what existence really is like in so many multiple faceted ways. When you think about the fact that, because as we're about to see and we, we've been seeing, Jesus is about to ascend into heaven itself to present himself as the representative of the entirety of the human race, or at least and, and all those who would accept his sacrifice and the offering of himself to the Lord. But what fascinates me, and I don't want to go way off here, maybe some other day we'll, we'll discuss these subjects because they're really incredibly fascinating, and the Bible has a lot to say about it, is the fact that you could leave the planet, go through this vast universe into heaven itself, accomplish all that we're about to see that he accomplished, and return just several hours later and join a, a join two guys that are walking on the road to Emmaus, which is in Luke 24. All of this happened in in a matter of a few hours. So our understanding and and defining, uh, think about it. I mean, modes of travel, uh, the ability to 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 go from one dimension to the next, uh, the different parts of 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 creation that exist that are so foreign to our thinking, but yet the Bible's revealing those things here. And also, as we explored yesterday. He led captivity captive on his way up. We saw in Psalm 68, verse 17 and 18, that that the angels came in chariots. Those are the words that were used by the psalmist. But, but really, in modern language, we can say they came in some sort of vehicle, some sort of craft. We talked about Elijah. Remember when uh, he told Elisha that if you see me when I go, then you can have my mantle or my anointing, right? And so Elisha never left him until the day that he that he saw Elisha go. But what we're told about Elijah there is that Elisha cried out and said, my father, my father, the chariots of God, right? I mean, he saw some sort of craft come and pick up. <laughs> I'm not trying to be some UFO guy either, right? That's not what I'm talking about. It's just fascinating to me that there is modes of transportation. And, and, and Elijah got off uh, uh, onto this chariot and they took him into heaven and 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 the same is is apparently uh being described uh in uh in this particular 
thing that Jesus is doing, because we know comparing Scripture with Scripture, that he descended into the lower parts of the earth and he led captivity captive. And in Psalm 68, 17 uh, and 18, like we were saying, it's written there that 10,000s, 20,000s of angels and innumerable hosts came with the chariots of God. And the Lord was among them, it says, and they led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men, that is, the Lord did. So while the Lord is on the surface talking to Mary and then revealing to her that he's about to ascend, the scripture seems to be implying that the saints that had died in faith had now been rescued because the Lord had gone down into the lower parts of the earth. And for all in, in, in intensive, curious purposes, uh, they're actually loading them up on the heavenly bus, man, <laughs> getting ready to take them back to heaven, which is really cool to me. Anyway, so I find that just fascinating, bro. I mean, I just find that incredibly fascinating, the kinds of ways that God, uh, you know, interacts with us and how exciting and how magnificent our destiny is uh, in the future. This is why uh, we, we, we rejoice in the Lord. This is why we, we are excited about what the scriptures reveal. And like Peter said, we haven't, we haven't uh, followed cunningly devised fables when we talk to you about the Lord, he said. He said, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And John said the same thing. We beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father. When they described this great Savior of ours, this great King, they went to their grave refusing to deny him, refusing to recant the story and the gospel that they had been telling, refusing. And, and that is because, as the book of Revelation revealed, that they overcame the devil, Satan himself, by the word of their testimony. They loved not their lives even unto death. And, of course, the blood of the Lamb. You know, they were saved. And then they testified. They lived by the way they lived and all the way unto death. These are the anchors of our faith and, and the hints at the exciting destiny that awaits us. So now we pick it up here as, as we explore what I ascend actually means and what he was actually saying to the Jewish mind and in our studies, we, we can learn what, it, what he was saying. Understand that, that, that he was about to ascend, as we'll see here in a second, into the very presence of, of his father. He was pleasing and acceptable as the offering, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But he had yet a duty to perform as the high priest, as the priest after the order of Melchizedek that he would have to go into the Holy of Holies itself. Because as we'll see in, in, in a minute here, the way into the holiest of all, which is what it's called, was not yet made apparent. It had not been officially opened yet. So let's take a look at this. When he says, I ascend, it's a term that's used uh, by our high priest, the Lord, who's about to ascend into the heavenly Jerusalem. You know, whenever you read in the Psalms, there's there's 15 of them. They begin in Psalm 120 through 135, somewhere in there. And those Psalms are called uh, the Psalms of Degrees or the Song of Degrees or the Psalms of Ascent. And they're designed, if you study, and then maybe someday the Lord will allow us to explore that, 
They're designed to to lay forth a very spiritual uh, truth and revelation about the progressive ascent of a man into the very presence of God. It's meant to culminate in his presence. So when Jesus says, I ascend, he's, he's, he's declaring that he, he now has purchased the right to go into the presence of the Father, and he does so as the high priest. But what's also beautiful about what the language that he's using here is whenever they would, uh, uh, for instance, when they would offer the Passover lamb on the altar in the temple, and, and, the, and the lamb would be consumed by the fires of the altar, representing the, the Lord's judgment coming upon the spotless lamb. That's what it spoke of of the future. In essence, when Jesus was crucified, he was the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He, he, he became the offering. And, 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 and the word ascend, he wanted us to understand that what he was identifying himself with was that offering on the altar. Whenever the uh, offering was placed on the altar and it would be consumed by the fire, you've heard the term a sweet-smelling savor, right? You know, uh, like when Paul talked to the Philippians and he mentioned the, the offering that they gave him, he said, your sacrifice is a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord. Okay. Are you with Right. So when Jesus tells Mary, I ascend, all of that is in that phrase. He's he's basically saying, I am the offering. And I'm that pure offering and I'm ascending up into heaven. It's an incredibly descriptive thing that he's saying, because for in, 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 in essence, what he's saying is I have offered myself and now I'm rising like the smoke that rises from the offering on the altar, I'm rising up into heaven now to present this offering before my father. He calls him his father and your father, my God and your God. And what's beautiful about that is the term he used, father, indicates already that what he was revealing by that phrase is that is that God was no longer... Uh, someone that could not be approached, that that he was now uh, in in a sense of of accepting the sacrifice of his son. He now has has become the father <laughs> of the church. Right? We are adopted into the church. It's very affectionate language that he's telling Mary to go tell the disciples that are shut up in a room, afraid of the Jews who who just crucified him three days ago. So he ascends into heaven as if he were that that sweet-smelling savor. And we know from what we were looking at yesterday that he begins to, uh, he, he's, he's, as he's ascending, he's ascending not by himself, but he's ascending with all the saints of God who died in faith, looking forward to the day that the Messiah would come into the lower parts of the earth and rescue them and take them to heaven. This is how great the sacrifice is. And and we're we're talking to people that are spiritual now and that understand the gospel. Understand this that that we don't really hear it anymore, but the truth of the matter is 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 the Bible tells us that when men died there was no access to God. 
we could not go into heaven. We were not there. We were not welcome there. There were many issues, sin, the chiefest of them all, that prevented us from ascending into heaven. And so what we learned was that when we died, our spirits would go down into one of two places in the center of the earth, like we talked about. One was either the place of torment, or the other was the place of paradise. And it is there, it's also referred to as Abraham's bosom, representative of all those who died in faith, looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. That, that were the only two places that we could go. But when Jesus died and offered himself unto the Father and, and it was finished, we, like we talked about, he went down into the lower parts of the earth and he led captivity captive. And so also ascending with him as he goes up into heaven are the countless innumerable saints that had gone before. And they're in this procession. And, and you guys go back and listen if you if you desire to, to the last two podcasts because we, we, we explored that at length. But now Jesus is on his way into heaven. And remember what we're talking about here, the very first day of the of the resurrection. He's already appeared to Mary. He's already sent her on her mission to go tell the apostles, the disciples, that he is ascending. We know from the scriptures that as she goes, the ascent begins. He's leading captivity captive with innumerable amount of angels as they go through the multiple layered, as the Bible puts it in Psalm 24, gates and everlasting doors that begin to open up before him as he goes through the different levels of, of existence, the places where real, tangible dominions and principalities are, however many there are. I don't know, but I do know that the Bible describes as he goes, he begins to to cleanse the heavens by his very presence. He's done so with his blood, and he comes into heaven itself, and that is what we're going to look at, because before he came back down to walk on the road to Emmaus, he had to go do what we looked at briefly yesterday, but let's take a look at some interesting things here. First, turn over to Hebrews chapter 9 verse 18 through 22, and we'll quickly begin our study today and uh, and look at what he did. Again, remember, he tells Mary, I have to ascend, and now we're going to see what we briefly looked at yesterday, what he actually did. Are you there, Brother Jeremy, in chapter 9? Yeah, chapter 9, verse 18. Yes, would you read verse 18 through 22 for us? Yes. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people, according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. And then go on to verse 23. Verse 23. It was, it was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves 
with better sacrifices than these. For Christ, in verse 24, he says, is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures or the types of the true. But Christ is entered into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us all. And so as we were talking about, this is exactly what he was doing when he left earth, when he left Mary, and she goes to tell the disciples what he said, I'm on my way to ascend. This is what he was going to do. He was going to appear in heaven itself for us because he had yet to finish something. And that was to open the way into the holiest of all, where God's throne is and where his father is. Because as we were being told here in Hebrews chapter 9, something very interesting, speaking of Moses and the tabernacle in the wilderness, that the tabernacle in the wilderness was was simply a, a, uh, a miniature type of the tabernacle in heaven. And when we say tabernacle, understand this. The tabernacle is considered only two compartments. The tabernacle is the holy uh, the holy place, and then the holiest of all, which is the holy of holies, and it is surrounded in the wilderness by by linen curtains, like a rectangle, uh, and then outside the tabernacle, which is covered with all sorts of coverings and things we don't have to get into, and curtains that block your way from seeing. There is the outer court, and in the outer court there was a, a giant bowl. You know, more like a miniature pool, if you will. And I, I don't even know how to say it. Best way I can say it is like a jacuzzi, right? I mean, it was just a, this giant, big, uh, circular thing filled with water. And then just in front of that, or behind that, depending on which way you're approaching, if you're approaching the tabernacle, you first come to the altar, then you come to this giant bowl we're talking about. So right after that bowl, as we're backing our gut, we come to the altar. But the bowl and the altar, the brazen altar, uh, are in what is called the outer court. And it is there that the sacrifice would be offered uh, on the, in the outer court. And so what, what Paul is revealing here is extraordinary. Because it, he says it, it was meant to be a figure or a miniature model of creation itself. And he, and he reveals that by talking about Christ entering into heaven for us and likening that to the Holy of Holies in the temple or in the tabernacle in the wilderness. And he says something very interesting because what he's trying to reveal to us is, is the gospel itself. And he talks about how Moses, after he had spoken every precept in verse 19 to all the people according to to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with waters and wool and hyssop, and he begins to sprinkle uh, the book and the people and all the vessels uh, that, that are in the tabernacle. And he begins to enter into a covenant with them, which we now know is the old covenant, because it was a temporary covenant that was pointing to a permanent testament or new covenant. And he talks about that in verse 21, that he sprinkled uh, with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And then Paul goes on to, to, to speak in some very deep terms as to what Jesus actually did 
when he ascended on the first day. He literally ascended up through the heavens. Now, there's something interesting here because what we were looking at yesterday, and it's part of the first day of creation, uh, of, of, uh, of the new creation or of the resurrection day, those few hours before he comes back to earth and walks on the road to Emmaus, having left Mary already, revealing himself, all that stuff we've been talking about. There's something very interesting here that we can learn from the tabernacle. And we can learn uh, what happened when he comes with this great procession leading captivity captive, as we've talked about, the souls of the saints of old that he brought with him into heaven. They weren't allowed in essence, to go into the Holy of Holies yet. So they had to be somewhere. And it's really cool when you look at it. Uh, and, 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 and clues can be found. And I'm just, it's not really a side note. It's, it's actually what happened on this day. You know, he's led this innumerable host of saints of old, the thousands and thousands of chariots of angels. The Lord is among them. The gates are being opened. The King of glory is coming in. And then I thought to myself, well, well, what happened to all these people? Because Jesus still had to go present himself to the Father. What did they do with them? And do we see a type of it? Do we see a, a veiled reference to them? And I think we do. Uh, Brother Jeremy, could you read uh, chapter 9, verse 2 uh, through 4 there? Of Hebrews, right? Yes. Here we go. For there was a tabernacle made, the first, wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, and Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant. So here we see Paul describing what that earthly tabernacle looked like which is supposed to represent to us the heavenly tabernacle there's something interesting uh, that he explains here he says in verse 2 that there was a tabernacle made the first one remember i was telling you when he says tabernacle he's talking about the two different compartments within the temple itself it's called the tabernacle the holy of holies and the holy place is is called the tabernacle and there's two of them making up two different compartments but representing heaven and and then anything outside of that is considered the other places of of the of the creation itself all the way down to the earth which is where the son of man came just like the offering is offered in the outer court on the brazen altar so the son of man came to the outer court if you will and and died in the outer court, we call it the earth. We call it Calvary. It's outside the holy place and the holy of holies. It's outside the universe uh, that is up in the stars and the sun and the moon and the galaxies. It's outside heaven itself where the throne of God is. It's the outer court. It's the earth. And it's there that he died outside the camp, if you will. And I know it's a little deep for some people, but think about it. I think it'll bless you. But what do we see here? In verse 2, we're told there was a tabernacle made first. Inside the tabernacle is, is two things, actually three, but he references the two here. 
he, he says the first is the candlestick and the second is the table with the showbread on it. And that's called the sanctuary. What we learn from this is something really neat because what the Lord was revealing, although it was veiled and not understood by the Jews, us looking back at what he was actually saying can understand something here and can also understand something that is pretty cool to me is when he led this procession into heaven, uh, I think what we're being having revealed here is that there will only be a partial allowance of the approach to God uh, allowed on resurrection day until Jesus would present himself and then the way in would be open and everyone would flood into the throne. <laughs> Check this out. So in verse two, what we see are two things, right? One is the table and the showbread. Well, we know from studying uh, the Levitical law and the book of Exodus and, and, and actually the Torah, right? The first five books of the, of the Bible, that when God had Moses create the tabernacle in the wilderness, in the holy place, they made this table and they put these 12 loaves of bread in there. And, and that was to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And, and so we know that in the holy place, there is a representation of Israel itself. But the candlestick is in there as well. All the right. way back, right? In the beginning. And so he was already revealing that the candlestick, which is a seven-branched menorah, that's what we call it, it is revealed what the candlestick really is in the book of Revelation. Isn't that right? Brother, right. Brother Fernand, could you turn over there and read that to us? In uh, Let's see. Uh, verse 12, I think it is, of chapter 1. Yeah, it right. says, And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. In the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with the garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. Yes, and then would you read to us? So we see the seven candlesticks there, and then and then read verse twenty to us. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. That's incredible, right? Because that's what he had Moses make. He put the seven-branched right. candlestick in the tabernacle way back in the wilderness. Before there was yeah. ever even con any conception that there would be a Gentile church, right? And oh. yet it was already there, hidden in the holy place. Now we see something really interesting here because... Because we see both the table of showbread that has the 12 loaves of bread, that's Israel, the 12 tribes, and we see the candlestick. And really, mm -hmm. when, when, when Christ led a procession, he led captivity captive, he, the church went with him. You know, the candlestick represents the church, the table of showbread rep represents the redeemed of Israel. The two of them went up into heaven, up before the throne. But there's something else in there, right? It's the altar of incense. The altar of incense, which stands right in front of this curtain, 
which blocks the way into the second compartment, which is the Holy of Holies, which is where the ark is. So when Jesus leads this procession into heaven, remember the Holy of Holies has not yet been opened up. It will be as soon as he presents himself, and that's what's revealed. And read this, Brother Jeremy, if you could, if you're still in Hebrews 9. That's what's revealed here in verse 7 through 12. Would you read that? But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Ghost... Wait a minute, brother. Start with verse five and six, because five. because that brings us that brings us to captivity captive. Because remember, in the book of Revelation, what it is said of us is that we have become kings and what priests unto our God, right? So now read yes. verse five and six, because it is the shadow, it is the type, and that's what Paul's saying to us here. That's what he's revealing to us happened when Jesus ascended into heaven. Read five and six as well. And over it the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone, once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Ghost is signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacles was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. But Christ being come, but Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Praise God. Praise God. So when he leads captivity captive, what's being revealed here, if, if you can see it, is that, that, that though we were made kings and priests by the faith in, in the gospel and the resurrection, especially the old saints first, because that's who went first, they were not allowed to immediately enter into the Holy of All, which is the Holy of Holies, where the, where the Father was. And what's being revealed here is he had yet to present himself to the Father. Once he presented himself to the Father, what happened is the way was opened, and and all of his children were allowed to come around him. There was still this 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 incredible thing that's being revealed here, because what we're being told is is that there was yet a place that that no one could go, let alone us. And and what he's using as an example and as an argument to talk about how things were now different 
but yet the old was was portraying the picture of what Jesus would do. He says, remember that the high priest, and they were all familiar with this, right? He could only go into the Holy of Holies once a year on the Day of Atonement, and he could only go in there uh, once a year, but then he would have to come back the following year and have to come back the following year and have to come back the following year. And so he says, this proves that what he did, though it was sufficient on a yearly basis, it was not sufficient throughout eternity and forever. And so then he talks about Jesus, and he says he comes, and he comes with his perfect sacrifice, and, and, and he entered once and for all. Well, we know that hadn't taken place yet, because that's what he told Mary. I haven't ascended yet, but I'm getting, now go tell my brothers I'm ascending. Well, that's what he's talking about. I'm on my way as the high priest to present myself once and for all to Almighty God, my Father and your Father. And so when he leads this entire procession into heaven, we do know one thing, that the priest, as Paul is telling us here, the regular priests, which is what we are, priests and kings unto our God, we could not go in all the way until Jesus went ahead of us. And he hadn't done that yet. And <laughs> mm. <laughs> you, you understand what I'm telling <laughs> yeah. But yet he still shows up with this incredible parade of people, right? So I think it's a pretty cool thing. But uh, <clears throat> but then he ascends, right? And and that's what chapter chapter nine, verse verse twelve tells us, right? He 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 by his own blood he ascended. By his own yeah. blood he ascended once and for all into the Holy of Holies, uh, having obtained, he goes on to say, can you read that, Brother Jeremy, again, in verse yeah. 12? Verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. So understand what's being revealed here. We're talking about what he did on this day. He brings captivity captive as far as they could go until this point was was what we call the holy the holy place, right? Representing the church in Israel. They've come to to a place that is just before the very throne room of God. But until our Savior went in there, until our King went in there, until he went in there and and presented himself to God. There would always there would have still been that blocked way, but what we're being told here in verse twelve is he entered by his own blood once he went in that's what he went in to do. He went in there once by himself now, if you know anything about Judaism and the offering and the offerings and things that take place on the day of the atonement, only the high priest can go in there and remember why he told Mary, what did he tell her? Do not touch me. Remember he said that yes. to her yes. don't touch right. me because I haven't ascended yet. Well, when you study it out and you realize what, what the atonement really is, uh, the high priest would have to, sh to, to, to be perfectly uh, undefiled. He couldn't interact with, 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 with women. He couldn't interact with, with any other you know, person that, that, that would defile him. He would spend his time preparing himself to present himself before the Lord, and he would go into the Holy of Holies, and there he would offer the blood uh, on the mercy seat, and then the Shekinah glory would appear over it in this great miracle and demonstration of the presence of God, thereby atoning for the sins of the people on an annual yearly basis. But here, he's saying that was all meant to tell us that it wasn't perfect, that, but yet it spoke of a future offering. 
And that's when Jesus goes into heaven itself again on the first day of resurrection, somewhere between nine o'clock and three o'clock in the morning. I mean, in the afternoon, uh, if you really want to dig deep into it, you know, because these were the two. Could you say, I was going to ask a question. Could you say, could you say that before the cross, leading up to the cross, Jesus fulfilled what the high priest in the natural would do in the tabernacle? After the cross, he's fulfilling uh, the duties of the high priest for the cleansing of the heavenly tabernacle. Yeah. Or, or uh, uh, in those three days that we're talking about leading up to his resurrection, right? And ultimately yeah. his ascension to back to the Father. Could we say that? Well, in, in a sense, what we're looking at is, is, is the first, the outer court. You know, because what, right. what's re- what's revealed here in verse 12 is that he entered in, in once into the Holy of Holies by his own blood, but he's already obtained eternal redemption. It's an interesting statement, the way he words it, because what is redemption but a price that is paid for something to redeem it, right? To bring it to yourself. If you want to redeem something, you have to pay the price and then it becomes your exclusive property. What Jesus obtained by paying the price on the cross was he obtained he obtained uh, eternal redemption for us. So he went to the earth and paid that price by the sacrifice of himself. But then when he ascended is when he began to cleanse the heavens. That's why when Paul presents, and I know this is getting out there for some people because you're not used to this kind of instruction, but but if you read it again in chapter nine, you'll see. When Paul goes on to, to offer further argument as to why the old covenant or the Mosaic law was being done away with now, what Brother Jeremy read in, in chapter 9, verse 10, it's called the time of reform, right? Or the time of reformation. reformation but then when right. Paul goes on, right, when Paul goes on to describe in, in verse 17 through 21 what Moses actually did, when he talks about him sprinkling, uh, well, let's take a look at this. First, it says that what does he do in verse 20? This is the blood of the Testament. Uh, Well, before that, he says here uh, in verse 19, it says, When Moses had spoken every precept to all the people, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water, scarlet, hyssop, and sprinkled both the book and the people. That's the first thing he did. And it's the first thing that was accomplished when Christ died on the cross. The people had been sprinkled with the blood first, and the covenant had been fulfilled. That's what he did first. Then what does he do? Then he sprinkles in verse 21 with blood, the tabernacle, and the vessels of the, mir- of the ministry. That's, that's what you're talking about, Brother Fernando, right there. That's going into the heavenlies. See, yeah, so the, <laughs> progression, it, the progression follows suit with that of the tabernacle. That the yes. sacrifice was done in the outer court, um, and then the 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 tabernacle itself, composed of those two dimensions, the holy of holies and the holy place, speaks of the supernatural dimension, the heavenlies, right? Yeah, that, that that he that he went in through, um, and that's yeah. powerful because that's grace, right? Because yes. it, it was it was in the dimensions of the heavenlies, the spirit realm. Right, yeah. that that sin originated, but he 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 comes down to earth to this place, uh, and we spoke about it in another podcast, the original uh, uh, 
place where sin begun, but yeah. it wasn't in, in a natural state. Earth wasn't in a natural state. It, it, it was, it was, uh, uh, a, you it, could it, say it's a supernatural it was, state, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it, it was the grace of God that he came down to this world. So he's, he's, he's fulfilling everything that we see yeah. in the tabernacle in the natural, but it starts here on earth. And and he makes his way up through the heavenlies. Yes, and that's why Paul is using that argument where he says, uh, like we were saying, is that what does he do first? He sprinkles the book and and the people, right? And mm -hmm. like he just said, and then he goes into the second compartment, and that's what Jesus did. First, he sprinkled the book and the people. That's that's a type, if you will. He came to fulfill the law. That's what he told them. So by his blood. He literally uh, fulfilled the law, and by his blood, he literally uh, sanctified or redeemed the people, just as Moses did. Moses right. uh, sprinkles blood on the book and blood on the people first. After that, he then sprinkles, in verse 21, the tabernacle and the vessels of the ministry. So it, it, that that's the second place. That's the second compartment. And, 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 then, and then in verse uh 24 he enters into the holy of holies right because christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands which are the figures of the true but into heaven itself to appear in the presence of god having obtained eternal redemption for us he says right in verse 12 so we see the progression and what paul is arguing here or saying is so profound because it connects with what we're talking about because what hebrews chapter 9 reveals is exactly what Jesus did and then what he went to do and why he told Mary, you can't touch me. I haven't gone into the holy place and I haven't gone into the holy of holies yet and I cannot be touched or influenced by flesh. You know what I'm saying? I can't be def right. defiled by flesh. You know, I have to fulfill the law completely, which leads to the higher spiritual law, right? The eternal law, which leads all the way into the very throne room of my father in heaven. It's he incredible. Had the, he had to fulfill the prophetic pattern. So she yes. and and I, I, how much she understood it. Uh, nope. Obviously, no he way. had to let her know. <laughs> yeah, right. he had to let her know whether she grasped it or not. We don't know, but he's basically telling, her, "Look, I'm fulfilling something prophetic, right? That yeah. that that that's spoken of me in the tabernacle, yes. in the, the you know the, the the tabernacle in the wilderness." I'm fulfilling it in the spirit now, right? That's in yes, that's incredible, right? I mean, it's just absolutely incredible, and and so he does exactly what Moses did, and what you said is a good way to put it—the uh, prophetic pattern, because it was prophecy of what was yet to come. And so when we, <laughs> man, we could talk about that. I mean, what we're talking about right <laughs> yeah. now. I mean, it is so powerful. Yes, and it's so holy, man. I mean, it's just. <laughs> what he did see we don't we haven't really dug into what our savior did you know i mean what he did what he did cost him everything you know that's why god says you know your throne oh god is forever and ever you know a scepter of righteousness is your kingdom you're anointed above all your fellows right i mean you're i mean it's just he's god you know, when, it's like when Paul Jesus... said, it's like Paul said, Brother Marty, you know, and, and when we think of the reconciling of all things, we just think of us, mankind, 
earth. Yeah. No, it, it literally means the reconciling of, of, of the cosmos, the unseen yeah. and seen world was yeah. tainted by sin. And that's what we that's what we have to see. So when when yeah. when when Jesus is telling, you know, the woman, don't don't touch me because I haven't yet ascended, he's but he's basically saying I'm reconciling all things that you can't even see right now. Yes. That's you can't incredible. Even see the things that I'm reconciling right now. That's that's yeah. like so powerful, like you're saying. It's so marvelous, so grandeur. I mean, it, yeah. it's so grand. You know, it, yeah. it's so, and it feels like we do it no justice, right? Yes, yeah, sir. We can't see, we can't see into the the things of the spirit, as the Lord told Nicodemus. You know, and this is what we're trying to put forth to the people. Like, look, understand what took place. It was something that. It's beyond our comprehension and understanding, you know, and it's, and it's so powerful. Praise God. Yeah, it, it just it brings tears to my eyes because the more that you you explore this, you know, as 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 marvelous and magnificent as it is, and and we don't, I mean, if we had a thousand poets here, we couldn't do it justice, right? Like I like right. to say, I mean, we we just we couldn't describe it. It's it's indescribable, like you pointed out the other day, Brother Fernando. John wrote in his gospel. I suppose if we wrote everything that the Lord did in His earthly ministry, He said that every single book on the planet wouldn't even be able to hold it. So magnificent is this this King of Kings, this Lord of Lords. Understand that He went into the very holy of holies by Himself as a human being. As a man. Hallelujah. I was thinking of that, Brother Marty, what, what John said, you know, concerning everything he did. You know, I mean, he, his, his ministry was three and a half years or so, right? And yeah. you, you, you suppose you can write everything he did in three and a half years in a book, but the ramifications that yeah. that literally spilled over into the spirit realm with every little word that he uttered, every act that he did, it, it, it had incredible ramifications. And that's yeah. why if if we begin to write the ramifications of his very life on earth, it transcended the natural. That's, yeah. that's why we could never exhaust what he's done and what he is doing. And that's what we're talking about right now. Yeah, praise God. Brother, brother Marty. Go ahead, brother. Uh, and, and maybe you could help me out. I pray that I can say it right. But even before the, you know, the the what what happened when Moses put the tabernacle and he was instructed by God. But even we can even go even before time. Didn't Lucifer kind of hold kind of a high priest position? In that you know, obviously he he messed it up, right? And then yeah. as almost as if God gave Adam an opportunity, we messed it up. <laughs> and now <laughs> Jesus comes to fulfill what we all messed up and establishes it forever. So we can even, maybe I'm, uh, that's the way I'm thinking right now. You can even go back even before time. When, well, yeah. when, when Lucifer had some type of position of a high priest of sorts. In, in many ways, he did. Uh, you know, when when God describes him uh, in Ezekiel 28, there, I think it's 28. He he describes the, the he describes the stones 
the, the precious stones that were his covering or the breastplate that he wore. Um, there's 10 of them described there, but they're missing two, right? Because the high priest on earth uh, had 12, right? And and, yeah. and so in, in many ways, he was a high priest, but but he was a high priest for the, in some sense, for the angelic creation, the angels, yeah. Yeah. you know, but, but, but not to us. Of, of course, here we get higher, into, right? Yes, here we get into some very, very, and I almost hesitate <laughs> yeah. to, to go there, right? Uh, some very profound uh, points of contemplation, which I, I encourage those that listen, you know, read your scriptures but but volume is not always an indication of <laughs> of depth, you know, of spiritual depth. I mean, take a scripture and break it down and spend time with the Holy Spirit and really think it through. It's almost as if you walk around it, climb up on top of it, uh, go underneath it in your mind, in your spirit, and let the Spirit of God reveal to you the the most like brother fernando was just saying you know the the ramifications of every single word that was uttered by the son of god are so profoundly deep uh that they are meant and the cumulative force of of what he said and spoke is meant to like jesus said you will know the truth and it will set you free and and that yeah. is <laughs> that see because if we take this this line of analysis that we're talking about right here and and we and we begin to approach it then we begin to to reach points of thought that have to describe or at least gender questions because because and and I've had this question asked to me it's like okay so God knows everything right and God is all powerful and, and God is everywhere. And if I if I follow what you're saying, then you're saying that sin originated with with His highest order of created being. As a matter of fact, God describes Him as having sealed up the sum of wisdom. Right. Right. And 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 yet and yet He fell, and it unleashed what we call death, which is corruption, decay. It takes it takes pristine perfection and defiles it. That's what Jesus cleansed on the way up through the heavens into the throne room, like you were describing. But the question has to be asked then: If you take that, what apparently is our limited understanding, yet what we are gleaning from Scripture, then then when God, if He knows everything, when He made this being, then He knew that He would fall. He had to have. It didn't catch him by surprise when the devil became the devil. And so <laughs> it's getting awful quiet in this church. <laughs> so, so we so then we so we have to ask then God understand and, and this is I'm stumbling when I describe this and where I've come to in these kinds of thoughts, right? Our Father in Heaven intended, as the Bible tells us, to work everything after the counsel of His own will. He knows what He's doing. But in order for perfection in any act of, of creative thought 
process or or manifestation and 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 uh, for it to come to pass then every avenue of exploration of its perfected state has to be understood and explored within the counsel of his own will and so if there was any other way Jesus told us that other way for what to come to the place of a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness and to arrive there with perfect balance and symmetry, then every aspect and possibility had to have been explored before the very first word was ever uttered. And so in in, in that kind of a context, and I know this is kind of out there, right, as far as meditative thought, but in that kind of a, an understanding we begin to understand scriptures when when God says, you know, my thoughts are not your thoughts. As high as the heaven is from the earth, so are my thoughts from your thoughts. But understanding that, then we have to understand that everything that God does is perfect. And And really what we're looking at here in the gospel is that God has not done anything except he's done it himself. Right. And and his ultimate and one of the things not ultimate but one of I might have been ultimate I don't know but one of the things that he always wanted was to create man in his image to have a fellowship with sons and daughters but in 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 a in a world where there would be no possibility for any kind of sin death corruption but how do you do that how do you even begin the process. Even the Lord reveals quite possibly early on when he decides to destroy creation with a flood, he says concerning mankind, it has grieved me that I have made man on the earth. It's a sad thing for him, but it's a necessary thing because in causing us to be uh, formed and born as the human race in a temporary dimension of time and space, he limited access of our understanding. And so that if we fell, and he knew we would, we could be accounted as being in ignorance until he provided the way for our redemption and a fuller revelation of what it is that he was doing and how he saved us. So when Jesus talks yeah. about nobody, nobody can take you out of my hand, why? Yes. <laughs> because we're born from above and not below. We're born again. Mm. Ah. Any thoughts? Amen. <laughs> Right. No, it's almost you said it well. It's almost like he did us a favor, you know. It was you know where he could say we were ignorant to these things, and he yeah. made us a little lower than the angels, right? To and, protect and, us and to protect us and, and to uh, ultimately uh, redeem us, right? And to be be adopted uh, yeah. as, as sons of God, you know. That's incredible. That's incredible. If we, it is. If we can understand that. Then we understand, at least in measure, like a drop in an ocean, really. But the love of God. Yeah. That's why John. Right. That's why John would write, "Oh my," he said, "What manner of love is this? That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us." Paul talked about things like the life that I now live. I live by the faith of the Son of God. 
a subject we've rarely heard anything taught about, but that Jesus had faith. <laughs> and I'm not talking about the Kenneth Copeland kind of faith here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about the faith <laughs> that, Christ, that Christ had in what his father promised him. Because we seem to forget over and over and over again that he was one of us. And it says so yeah. in Hebrews that as the children were partakers of flesh and blood, Christ himself took part of the same. That, that through death he would destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver us who through all our lifetime were subject to bondage through fear of death. That's what he said. So he became a man. And his faith and his absolute fidelity, quality, and character to his father caused him to be the spotless lamb of God. He had to do it that way. It's an incredible thing. And then think of this, that, 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 that God knowing, and, and how incredible is this, that he would set into the earth this gospel story. And that this creation called humanity would come to him based on the strength of the one life that was lived by his son and the spirit of God that was in him without measure, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, Emmanuel, God did this. Right. God did Amen. this. Hallelujah. Mm. Yes. <laughs> oh, we've gone out there, haven't we? <laughs> Hebrews, Hebrews, Hebrews 23 says it, you know, those words. It was therefore necessary. This yeah. is what it took. This is what God had to do. Yes. To redeem us. And that's it why it's such a, that's why it is that is why it is a sin of of biblical proportions when the gospel is, is presented as it should be presented and men reject it. It is not God mm, that sends men yeah. to hell. It is men who send themselves there. My God. <laughs> you reminded me of the scripture of Hebrews 5, 8, where he says, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Incredible. That's an incredible thought. You know, I talked to Sister Debbie about that very scripture many, many times, um, to learn obedience. What does that mean? Because we view it from 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 parental fallen humanity yeah. obedience, right? But he's talking about such a higher power and concept of obedience that had to be learned by the very Son of God Himself. It behooved Him to be made like us, so that in all things He was tested like as we are, yet without sin, He never failed. And he did so by the strength of the Spirit of God that he relied upon. He was like us. He got tired. He fell asleep in the ship. He got hungry. He sat at the well. He got thirsty. You know, uh, he was just like us, yet so much better than anyone who's ever lived. He's a life-giving spirit. And so that brings us to where we are. Again, don't touch me, Mary. Right? I haven't ascended yet. This is day one. And, and that's what we go on to see in that he enters into heaven itself now to appear in verse 24, chapter 9, verse 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but he's entered into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. 
That's the first thing he did. He had to go in there by himself. He's got all these people waiting outside <laughs> in yeah, heaven, outside the throne, right? He can't bring all these spirits of men in there yet, even though they've, they've, they've gained access. But we just read what Paul was describing, right? He first had to he had to sprinkle the tabernacle and the vessels. He already obtained eternal redemption in that, and he used Moses as an example. First, he sprinkles the book, fulfillment of the law. Second, he uh, sprinkles the people, the redemption of mankind. Next, he sprinkles the tabernacle, the first one, and the vessel uh, uh, that were used in the tabernacle. In the tabernacle, and and he, and then he goes into heaven or the holy of holies to present himself. And until then. There still wasn't access, but he had cleansed the way up until heaven itself and just outside, wherever the throne room of God is located in heaven, only he could go in there. My God, he went in there as a man. <laughs> Hallelujah. And when he came in, he showed his father because it says to appear in the presence. The, the, the Bible says the word appear there actually in the Greek literally means that he had a conversation with God. They had a discourse with each other. Powerful. And 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 it's 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 that day of atonement thing. See, when the high priest would go in there in type and shadow before the Lord restored and instituted the new covenant, the high priest in shadow, what he would do is he'd go in and he'd say prayers before God, asking the Lord to accept the sacrifice, asking the Lord to forgive the sins of the people. Well, Jesus. Jesus did this. He appeared in the presence yeah. of God by himself for yeah. us and began to say, Father, look at my hands and my feet. Yeah. I Look at my side. I, I paid the price. Will you accept this sacrifice? Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And will you forgive the sins of, of, of all those People I just led captivity captive, they're in heaven now, Father. Would you forgive their sins? And and those that I'm about to go down and talk to, will you forgive those sins? And I don't know, brother, but I think that's that last part of Psalm 24 where it says, lift up your your gates, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory. Who's the King of glory? He says, the Lord of hosts. Lord. He is the King of glory. I think that was God saying, open the gates. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hallelujah! And now Paul says, "Hey, I know to be absent from the body, it's to be present with the Lord." Glory to God. <laughs> and he goes God. on to say, <laughs> "He goes on to say, now therefore, let us come boldly into the throne room of God." Hallelujah! <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. uh, my Lord, we serve a, a King of Kings. That's why He's called the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Glory to God. And then that's why we go on in verse 28. Brother Jeremy, can you read verse 28 for us? 928. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. My God, you know what he's saying there? He's referencing the Day of Atonement. See, because they used to wait outside. They used to wait for him to emerge from the Holy of Holies. And, and and But every year he'd have to go back in there. But what he said right here is that when Jesus, when he told Mary, I'm ascending, he went and appeared. And he said, when he came out, he said he didn't come out 
with a temporary stay of execution. He said he came out with salvation. <laughs> Without mm. sin. <laughs> he saved the oh. whole thing, man. That's what he's saying. And then he says, those who are looking for him, did he appear? without sin unto salvation which brings us to luke 24 which is where we'll pick it up tomorrow finally i like i pray but look what happened having obtained eternal redemption how having presented himself to the father having had i know it was god who said open the gates and let them all in jesus then then jesus has to appear Right? He has to appear without sin unto salvation. And he leaves heaven. And he comes down to Luke 24, late in the afternoon now. Probably around 3 o'clock or so. Um, can you can you read that, Brother Jeremy, verse 13 uh, through, through 17 in Luke 24? 13 to 17. Here we go. And behold, two of them went the same day to a village called um, Emmaus. Help me here, brother. Emmaus. Emmaus. Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together in reason, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as you walk and are sad? Yes, I mean, that's just so cool to me. They have no clue where he just came from. He just, <laughs> I mean, everything <laughs> we were just talking about, man. Is, he's so cool. I mean, you want to talk about cool. This is cool. Because what he does, he sees them too. Remember what we just said. Unto them that love his appearance, will he appear the second. That's what he's doing here. He's appearing to them. They love him. But they have no idea yet why he's appearing to them. But he's fulfilling atonement. And he's appearing only this time without sin. He's not going to have to be a, a, a sacrificial lamb. He comes back having obtained eternal redemption for all humanity. And it's so cool to me. He says, what you all talking about? Why are you so sad? <laughs> if you only knew what I just heard in heaven, boys, you wouldn't be sad at all. Open the mm. gate. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. uh, and we know it was the same day because they, they go on to say, read verse 19 through 21, Jeremy, and we'll close with it. And uh, he said unto them, what things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things <laughs> were done. It's the same day, brother. He went all the way to heaven. Did exactly what he told Mary he would do. He obtained eternal salvation for us. And now he leaves the Holy of Holies and comes back outside and appears to two. 
and we'll look, we'll pick it up from here tomorrow. We know it's the same day because they just testified to it, and now he's walking on the road with them. It's late in the afternoon. He's on his way after he reveals himself to these guys to come to his disciples and say, peace be unto you. Those words carry <laughs> so much more weight now. After these five podcasts, we've explored this very first day of resurrection than than they ever have to me, you know, ever. We serve a mighty Savior. We owe him everything. And it's our privilege to call him Lord and Master. And we long for his return. And we pray that uh, somehow, some way, <laughs> some of the subjects we've talked about today are, are, are very much not you know, shallow end of the pool kind of stuff. But our Savior's coming, and it's about time we get to know just exactly who he is. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's the only begotten of the Father. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen. To all our listeners, um, take time, if you can, tonight to uh, read chapter 24 and read the story so that tomorrow when we study it i know god will speak to us in in deeper levels amen we pray that you have been blessed today we pray the lord bless you and keep you and keep looking up